You're listening to Movies for Decades. Welcome to Movies for Decades, the film history podcast where we watch a century's worth of movies. We watch one movie per decade in a century. That's 10 episodes. And we're on episode 10 for 2000. Or is it 11 episodes? I think it's 11. It's 11? Yeah. How? Wait a second. 21, 31, 41, 51, 61, 71, 81, 91, 01, 11, 21. Yeah, it's 11 episodes. It's 11 episodes. And we're on episode 11. We're on episode 11. Excuse me. (laughs) So sorry. We're on episode 11 where we watch 2021's Pig. Yes. Because it's easier to call it Pig than Grief. Yes. (laughs) um, Let's see here. There's your review. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, well, shoot. Um, This is our last episode of this inaugural season. We did it. We yeah, did we it. Did Here it. we are. We we recorded huh. eleven. Excuse me. Jeez. <laughs> I'm never. I can't get over that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Anyways, it's eleven episodes, and this is our eleventh episode for this season. Next year, we're gonna start recording episodes for that start in 1922 and end in 2022. It kind of worked out. If we'd done like, if we started this in the year 2020, um, then we wouldn't have the same symmetry of season one ends with the digit one. Yeah. You know, yeah. We would yeah. have had to call that thing season zero. Season yeah. zero. Very uncool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Um, and I guess we need to talk off mic about when we're coming back and what the records. We're going to go monthly next season. All right. So the record schedule has been chaos, not to be like inside baseball here, but, uh, you know, who knows? Who, yeah. We'll talk off mic. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, We'll conspire We will later. be back. We will have a season two where we do 20, the, the twos. By popular demand? I mean. By we want to do it demand. And uh, <laughs> maybe next season we'll get as many as 80 plays an episode. Ooh. <laughs> as much as. Okay. So, okay. Cut goals. I yeah. want to ask um, what this pod's response to Nicolas Cage hate is. Oh, I don't. I'm a major Nicolas Cage stan. Me too. See, what I think we're all stands of Nicolas yeah, Cage. Yeah, right? I don't really get the hatred of him. I mean, I get kind of. I don't get defensive. I don't. I kind of. I kind of get it when people are like, "Oh, he's a bad actor," but I don't personally think he's a bad actor. But I think he goes over the top sometimes. I think the only real argument against Nicolas Cage is that is is maybe against Nicolas Cage's agent. Yeah, but he will I, just take anything. Yeah, I mean, he takes a lot of dumb movies and gives dumb performances in them. Well, he doesn't give dumb performances. I mean, Nicolas Cage, what's great about him is that he is 110% committed to any role, and he doesn't care how highbrow it is. 110 to 120% is what he gives to every role. And... I think maybe, and I mean, I think maybe even the response to the fact that his agent gives him crappy work is that I also think I admire the fact that Nicolas Cage is an actor who works for a living. Yeah. He doesn't take time off to like pick the right role. I mean, he's in a couple movies every year, his whole career, because he works for a living. Yeah. Yeah. So 
I like a hyper-realistic movie every once in a while. And some actors are hyper-realistic actors. Yeah. But I don't want to watch a hyper-realistic movie all the time, so I don't want to watch a hyper-realistic performance all the time. I want to see an actor be goofy and, and outlandish and not based in reality sometimes. Yeah. I like to see, I like, I don't want to just, it, it to be just gritty all the time and, and Nicolas Cage has his own kind of grit he can bring to a performance but it's always like I mean uh, it's kind of like a clown I think he's even said something to that effect that he kind of bases his performance in sort of a a uh, clowning and a well I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher this but he he exaggerates it's something he does on purpose he's not just being stupid yeah um, yeah and it's maybe there's something to be said for like um probably the people who a lot of his good performances his better performances best performances probably does involve a director who knows when to when to unleash and when to rein in yeah, yeah. i think it really his performances mm-hmm. really depend on who the director is mm-hmm. yeah this is one of his more understated movies he's starring in our movie today that's why yes. we're talking about him stars in pig and he really reigns it in most of the time that said though this movie is like in so many ways on the surface pretty ridiculous Oh yeah, and and it really, it's like I was like, it's hard to imagine this movie being pulled off and this performance being pulled off by someone who's not Nicolas Cage, just because, again, he's reining it in. Technically, this is a fairly, this is a subtle performance, yes, but this is a man giving one hundred and ten percent to what could be, like, kind of you could play this as a jokey, weird performance. Yeah. You know, he is 110% committed to this story, to this character. And this story and this character is, you know, a little bit ludicrous. Yeah. A little yeah. bit. Uh, you know, uh, something I really sort of to that, something that I really admire about this movie is the central joke is kind of, what if foodie yuppies were gangsters? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and they don't actually spend that much time on that joke. They don't tell that joke that hard. It's just sort no. of softly the undercurrent of the movie. And then they just sort of like, but this is about people getting to know each other and grief and relationships. They, they focus on so many other things, but that's really like the gimmick of the movie is this sort of yuppie gangster yeah. environment. And I love that it lives in its own logic. It has its own established reality in which uh, food is everything. And I, and I love all that about it, but it, it doesn't like t- over tell jokes. It just lets them be there. You know, it doesn't smack you over the head with these jokes that they're making. Yeah. Yeah, I was very much like, this is this is amazing. There's this underground, seedy underbelly of even the most rich hoity-toity of uh, subcultures. And I was almost like, how much of this is kind of real? Because food snobs and elite restaurants can be so so up their own butts, like, and I... so competitive. And and people, restaurant workers have the some of the hardest jobs and are some of the most stressed out 
of any people. Like, I think those underground fight clubs might be real. Like, sure. Or so. they need to blow off that steam. Like, imagine serving people all day and being under that kind of pressure all day, every day. Like, they're angry and they're tired. And it kind of makes a weird amount of sense. So is the premise of that the uh, the fight club, the, the, the chef fight club, um, <laughs> is that premise that, like, it's chefs getting beaten up by restaurant workers. No, I think no, it's... no. It's just restaurant workers all fighting each yeah. other. Yeah, but because because both Nicolas Cage and the guy who comes before him are not fighting. They're just getting beaten up for like a amount of time on the clock. Really? Oh. I thought the guy before him yeah. was fighting back. No, I think he had his hands behind him and he was just taking it until the little ding went off. You know, that's actually kind of interesting because it's like beat up your boss. Wouldn't we all like? Man, <laughs> like I didn't that? get that at all from See, that scene. I was paying I thought, careful attention oh. last night to kind of go like, because that was one of the things that like, so I first saw this movie earlier this summer at the Sidewalk Cinema. John and I saw it. And so like, and so definitely this was the second viewing I had last night. And I was definitely paying more attention to the things that I was like, because there was a lot of things about this movie, certainly on first viewing, that make you go, what? Yeah. And uh, and so that was one of them. And I'm, I was paying attention. I think either, either the filmmaking is slightly unclear about what we're supposed to get out of it, or it looks like both the guy before Nicholas, because we only see two fights, quote unquote huh. fights. It's, there's a guy before whom who's getting beat up, who's also kind of a bearded, mangly, older looking guy. And he gets beat up and f- until the clock goes off or whatever. And then Nicolas Cage does the same thing where he doesn't throw a single punch. He has his hands behind him and he's taken wow. some nasty punches. The, see, that totally changes all of my interpretation of that scene. Because I thought it was like one of these weird LucasArts adventure game situations where the way to actually beat the puzzle is to not fight back. And he knows that. <laughs> like, you know, like in The Fate of Atlantis, you're supposed to let the Nazi knock you out because that takes you to the jail so that you can prop it open with the stick you found, you know, four hours this ago. This has to be the most niche reference <laughs> I know, I'm you could sorry. possibly make. Yes, but I'm yeah, here made a couple. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, so I was like... This is, he's just been in this world before and he knows the rules and he knows the only way to get the boss's attention is to throw the fight. And so he goes in and throws the fight. But yeah, I maybe, was, but I was, maybe uh, I'm, com- yeah, it so sounds like movie, I'm completely wrong. So this movie's cool because it's a questy movie. Yeah, it's yeah. very much it's a, a quest movie. look and find this piece leads to that piece. And so many quest movies. I didn't movies. put that together until right now. That, no, this is a quest movie. Yeah, but yeah. so many yeah. quest movies can be so boring and so like you're watching a video game. But yeah. this was not that at all. It's Even a though I would video games quest game. You I know? would love it if there was a Pig LucasArts game, though. <laughs> yeah, it would be the greatest. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, it is sort of like short filmy, like little little pieces. You know, each uh, each scene is its own kind of short in a way there's all these beautiful little sections that are that almost don't even have to exist in the movie like him going to have that interaction with the child at his old house that was the craziest part to me the part where i was a little bit flipping tables being like this has gone too far now the movie has gone too far this mangled bloody man is just hanging out with a small child this is how you get shot in alabama I, (laughs) I, i love the fact that he's just bloody the whole movie. <laughs> and oh my goodness, in that one part where he's in the fancy restaurant and that guy's like, do you, 
you need medical attention? <laughs> he's the only one to acknowledge it. And he's also the most morally bankrupt person in the yeah. movie. Like, oh my that's, God. that's another thing that's great about this movie is, is like, again, this is Nicholas Cage. This is Nicholas Cage's presence in this movie helps because it's kind of ludicrous. The fact that he's that beat up the whole movie yeah it's kind of in some ways a subtle running joke and he was in that nice hotel room and he didn't take a shower why (laughs) i'd be i'd be like bro you may crash on my couch but i don't really want you to have get blood on my couch yeah so wash your damn face in the sink i mean he will only wash his face in the cool clear wild mountain water and (laughs) no other water shall touch his skin i i imagine they had that conversation he just went "Mm." (laughs) and then he was like okay fine don't don't wash yourself what i got out is like here's some peas for your face there's some frozen peas for your face and he just passed out and i don't know i love how those two characters their relationship grows subtly you know like in him getting him the peas and everything to push on his face was just was just a part of it like and i think that was like step one to be to nicholas cage being like you know what you're cool I, you know you're and, and seems the fact like that your he, father's not very supportive see, seems like <laughs> even him burning the food in the morning was impressed this character uh what's his name but at he's least trying he tried he's, trying, yeah. he's trying to cook he's like he was like you know, Rob. he made the effort. And yeah. uh, you should use uh, stale bread for French toast. Yeah, he mm. gives him a pointer. <laughs> like, yeah. I think he's like, he, uh, I think that kid just doesn't even realize how he's ingratiating himself despite being a normal, nice person the whole movie. Yeah. I love that about this movie. Yeah. That he just, he, he seems like an asshole in the beginning, but he really is like a sweet little kid. Yeah. And, um, Nicholas Cage figures that out. What is his name in the movie? Rob. 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 Robin Feld. Robin Feld. Yeah. 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 Okay. So talk, go back. Okay. By the way, I'm John Albee. Oh yeah, <laughs> and I'm Helen Cottingham. Well, Colin Albee. Right? All right. So Good Helen. Catch John. So uh, as you were saying about the kid, talk more about the kid scene. Yeah. I. No, that was really just. I think it's funny how Helen's mom hackles got. Raised, yeah, it raised right? my mother hackles so high, like, and, and especially your Alabama mom hackles. Yeah, like, this is like, how you get shot here. Yeah, this is the parent comes out with a AK in their hand and says, "Get off of my property." If but in Portland, Oregon, you know, the little kid has a nice moment of playing music and, and also, answering about presentment trees. Excuse me, my child would scream and run away from a bloody adult. <laughs> <laughs> she would have nightmares for the rest of her life about that and she would never stop talking Helen, about you it. don't know that because this kid is six or seven. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like six and seven-year-olds are even more spooked by things. Like, yeah. Ren is a little bit... Um, naive still like she still will kind of toddle up and be like i assume that you are my friend because you look cool like she'll randomly do that with people but like you reach a certain age where stranger danger is at its zenith and i feel like that kid is about there and he just calmly like converses with a very scary looking man that is sort of like a trope in movies where the uh, innocent kid will have an earnest conversation with somebody who is not quite right yeah that's like a thing in movies it's also kind of i feel like i've seen it where like innocent kid also like because basically he's not nice to anyone in this movie up until that point yeah or pleasant to anyone Uh, and like i think the first little smile he cracks is is, to that is to the kid insanely trusting kid 
it's realistically trusting kid and the doors open and you hear music like the mom or the dad is in there cooking dinner or whatever and all she has to do is look at her kid once and see a stranger out there and go get the ak i'm sorry (laughs) it could just be like a normal person with like a you know a handgun yeah (laughs) just saying a kitchen knife so um anyway baseball bat yeah yeah so um are we doing? Are we? Are we going back to reverting to our zipping around the plot days? Yeah, I don't feel the... like it's even possible with this movie. No, because this movie's very questy. I mean, man has pig. He's getting truffles. So here's one thing I'll go ahead and shout out is that so because I was I had to watch this movie. I'm like, you know what? Our parents would like this movie. Yes. And watching that unlocks something for this movie because I like. Our father is kind of a mushroom person. Yes, he's a mushroom guy. Hallucinogens. No, yeah, he grows them. So I'm like, so, and I'm like, so, our this truffle mushroom thing a thing? He's like, oh yeah, and I'm like, okay. Already, this movie makes more sense the the first time I saw it. Is that is that apparently truffles are hard to get, and they are ex extremely valuable and, and they're delicious and and high level restaurants will pay top dollar for them so i'm like huh this um this movie's getting that right yeah and i mean daddy he's so close to actually being this guy like he we he has a cabin in the middle of nowhere that he spends about half his time and he's already like foraged looked for rare foods like pawpaws out there like if he found out there were truffles out there He'd be getting a pig, and he'd be living Except out as, there. Except as I, as I was told last night, he's like, a little bit unrealistic that it's a pig, because mostly it's dogs that help find. Yeah, so he would have a truck. <laughs> so anyway, that unlocks something for this movie. He's like, huh, okay. Because that was something, the first time I saw this movie, I think I had a little, my, I had some reservations about this movie. I have less now. Is is I wasn't always sure how to read this movie, and I think this is the fundamental question about this movie, is is like, how ludicrous is this movie? You know, and and how much of a joke and satire is this movie and how much of it should just be engaged just sort of on its surface literally as an emotional story, character study. Yeah, I don't I feel like hard, yeah. I feel well, like, like it's a, it's only a 10% of it is a joke. I feel like it was very serious and earnest. But what I would say is that the first time I saw this movie, I was a little bit more lost. Mm-hmm. And honestly, part of how I was lost about it is I'm like, what are truffle mushrooms? Because I don't fucking know, really. And uh, so I, I know, know why I know about Unsophisticated over here. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. So, um, you know, and hey, that's like, you know, a lot of unsophisticated people see movies. Yeah. Anyway, um, most, in fact. And uh, so that unlocks something about this movie. So, yeah, he's got a pig. It seems like he's living a good life. Um, his only interaction with the outside world is this guy. Uh, do we know the main young guy's name? Is it Amir? I don't remember his name at all. Okay. Um, Mr. Bitch and Camaro. Yeah, um, he is a bitch and Camaro. Yeah. Uh, so he's, um, his only out is, 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 it seems like he has a trade system. But, and so apparently these mushrooms are extremely valuable, these truffles. Yeah. And he only, he doesn't really seem to take money for them. He just takes supplies from in town. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so then... Then we get the whole thing of, you know, this, and he's got a cute little, you know, pet pig relationship. Very cute pig. A very yes. cute pig. Um, 
I read on IMDb that he got that Nicolas Cage got bit by the pig. Because <laughs> oh. <laughs> apparently they couldn't afford a trained pig. So this is a quote unquote untrained pig. Oh. Low budget independent film we're talking about here. So it's just an un So it's some random trade day. It's pig. a pig. <laughs> if someone has a pig, I'm sure it was a fairly, you know, as farm pigs go, I bet it was fairly docile, but it was not a trained pig. So apparently it bit Nicolas Cage. <laughs> and and he apparently jokes like yeah, I've had all. I've done all my own stunts in movies. I've had a crazy career, and I'm gonna die from sepsis from a pig. <laughs> you know, and uh, so, um, so he. Anyway, we get the pig. The pig gets kidnapped in the middle of the night, and and we get our first main bloody injury that Nicolas Cage sustains in his attempt to stop the pig from being kidnapped. I love that shot. One of my favorites is is when the next morning we get that sunlight coming in so that we see the blood sort of peeling off his face onto the floorboard. Yeah, good. <laughs> and, um, oh, yeah, yeah, that was quite a quite For a an incredibly appetizing movie about food, this movie is very gory. Yeah. A little gross. Yeah. It's a little gross, yeah. It's a weird balance, juggling act between grossness and deliciousness. Yeah, it does make me hungry. And you know yeah. what? I did eat a hot dog while I was watching it. I'm not and sure that was the best. you felt like a <laughs> I'm not sure that was the best pairing, but <laughs> that's what I ate. Also, we got wine because of this movie. Remember, we went, we? To, we went to Giuseppe's afterwards, and the oh. reason why is we wanted to go to a restaurant. Didn't matter. We wanted to sit down and get served food at a restaurant, and we wanted red wine. Yeah. After this movie, yeah, remember? I remember that was terrific. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were like, it does make you want to go to a. I, I was like googling because I'd seen the movie before. I just watched it. So I was like Googling, like, what's fancy restaurants around town? I haven't been to many of them. Like, how, how much? There's is... one called Helen's now. Yeah, There's I know. Isn't called... it so weird? It just is my name in giant iron letters in the middle of downtown. And I hoped it was a bar so that I could go in and be like, hey, give me a free cocktail. But it's not. It's a fancy local food restaurant. Well, you should do that anyway. But I mean, like, the steaks are like $80. It's like, it's like it apparently it was super uh, hoity toity. Apparently it was an Esquire. Like, wow. As in, like, top. 10 cool new restaurants in america and this was number oh. two yeah was helen yeah Birmingham. <laughs> so oh. weird so therefore i see no issue with you going in and saying like get me a cocktail yeah and yeah. maybe a steak <laughs> this camp going I, in like my alabama I camo in, i heard y'all were an esquire yeah <laughs> wear my camo shirt that says alabama across it and wear a backwards cap my name's helen yeah, that'll go super well, I'm yeah. sure. Um, <laughs> Anywho, to, to this movie and about restaurants, it it's just really wonderful. I mean, food is just the, this unifying thing, and it's and eating is so human, and it's such a, a wonderful way to relate to people. And I think that's at the core of this movie. Yeah, people bonding and food being central to that, and, and it doesn't overplay it either. You know, I feel like. It's very much a movie about food, and it's kind of like there's not enough movies about food, about eating, about um, making and, food. Yeah, and there's often movies like that are very cornball, like cute, sweet yeah. Aunt Woodland movies. No offense to Aunt Woodland, <laughs> but like movies that are very heartwarming 
and um, often get disregarded cinematically for being just too cute. Being Hallmark movies. Being Hallmarky, yeah. 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 Um, um, and this movie was not that. No. Yeah, a lot of things that get romanticized as core to people's grief and emotions is like music is core to people's grief and emotions, but this is like food is core to people's. Yeah. And I mean, think lives. about how many people who like their their Mima died with the cornbread recipe and now no one can recreate sure, it like stuff yeah. like that it's huge yeah yeah um this has got to be the most hickish we've ever talked <laughs> we've just said mima <laughs> we said ak a few times and then you're talking about no i'm camo doing it. shirt i'm doing it i'm i'm leaning in real i mean it's you know roll reason. tide everybody yeah <laughs> no war eagle yeah <laughs> we're, we're we're getting we're getting deeper here y'all. <laughs> we're getting deeper <laughs> anyway there's no turning back I mean, weirdly, it's kind of fine because here's a movie set in Portland, Oregon, and, you know, big chunks of it in rural Oregon. And it's like, you know, it's also it's it's an independent film. And I'd say maybe if we want to do like what is what are movies now is I think more movies lean into being kind of region like about being more obviously regional, Mm -hmm. like independent films are like not, you know, this this movie could have been. Um, non-specific Pacific Northwest or a town in America, but this movie really makes it about Portland, Oregon. Yeah. You know, but still, like, obviously, it applies to other small-ish-sized cities that also are not that far away from from the woods. Yeah, I mean, and <laughs> setting-wise, I when this movie opened, I really thought it was North Carolina, and it could be, like, that city could be Asheville. Like, maybe Portland's a lot like Asheville. I've never been. But I went to college in Asheville, North Carolina. And that creek and those woods and the hemlock trees, like, I was back. I was there. I was like, this could be... He could walk a few miles and wind up on the Warren Wilson campus. Like, this looks like... (laughs) my stomping grounds and it was very visceral for me in that way and then i was kind of disappointed be like oh it's the pacific northwest oh i relate to it less now but no <laughs> then i got back in also um, the, my favorite you know actual funny line from the movie is like eh, i might have to move to seattle he's like, fuck seattle <laughs> yeah and that must be a very portland thing <laughs> to be like that i don't know though <laughs> Um, yeah. yeah, but so the yeah, movies, this is, I think, a very 2021 movie, as you were saying about how regional based, um, independent film is she, um, I think because streaming is so ubiquitous now that we have so much more access to independent films and they're so much more, um, well regarded by laymen, I think, than ever before. I've noticed like random, like you said, unsophisticated people will still have seen maybe a not widely released indie movie and have things to say about it because it showed up on their Hulu feed and they said, okay, whatever, I'll watch it. It's Friday night, you know? And I, I think it, that big movies are starting to try to copy that look and that vibe a little bit more. Like indie films are that aesthetic. Mm-hmm. is infiltrating the wider culture and then the um uh, when it's not a marvel movie it's a movie like this i kind of feel like yeah well um, it's, it's well noted that the current state of filmmaking is that possibly like much like the rest of the country in the world is that the filmmaking middle class has been gutted yeah and that most movies are either gigantor blockbusters or um 
small independent films that get very limited release and are then on Hulu. Yeah, are then on and, Hulu. Uh, yeah, and and it or, and it's um, I think that's slightly exaggerated. And obviously it got more heavily pronounced thanks to the COVID disruption, which I think is settling down to maybe we're back to, we maybe lost the movie theaters, but I think it seems like movie, the, the threat of our movies just not going to be released in theaters anymore. Maybe not. It is too bad that a movie like this didn't have more of a theatrical run. It might have if it hadn't been for COVID, but. Certainly didn't have a theatrical run here in Alabama. We saw it at the theater in at the Sidewalk Cinema, thanks to yeah, them. Yeah, it's our independent but, theater here. But yeah. it, it, uh, it, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't think it was otherwise released in anywhere here, and yeah. so that's too bad. I was thinking about it too because you know, again, anytime you're with a theater audience, no matter how big or small, it's always a different energy. And I was thinking it was a pretty small amount of people who we saw this movie with, but mm-hmm. it was still cool because I think I remember when we're talking about the scene with the kid, I think that was a scene that the theater energy was like, uh, yeah, how weird yeah. is the scene about to be? Yeah, yeah. everybody was snickering and like, bre- like breathing loud. You could hear the tension, that. yeah. You yeah, could sort of hear the nose <laughs> breathing yeah. <laughs> when things get tense. The chairs creaking. Yeah, yeah the yeah, chairs yeah. creaking, yes. yeah. yeah. Yeah, so anyway, um, so yeah, one of the, so there's a couple, so he, he goes to the city I do like the whole, like, one thing about this movie that's fun is this movie's got the uh, John Wick story formula. Right, yes. Animal gets taken. Guy goes on a rampage. Yeah, Yeah, Um. and and guy guy comes out of, like, guy seems like he's a mild-mannered, just sweet old guy, sweet middle-aged guy. And uh, but then he's a secret badass with a past, and people know who he is. And the younger people are like, "Huh?" Yeah. And and, and people and see, that's that's the John Wick. Um, but it's formula. like it's making. See, if this is a satire of anything, it's a satire of that because yeah. he never hurts anyone. No, he's but I mean, never... it is like he is a secret, yeah. terrifying badass. Yeah. Actually, well, so, no. yeah. Something I said at the end of this movie when I watched it with Eric, who he lost his mind he loved it so much uh-huh. but um he i said this is a movie about how dangerous you are when you have a great memory yes and that was, <laughs> now, i had an almost the exact same thought is is that is a terrifying superpower actually yeah. to have a little bit yeah 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 you, as he says towards the end i remember everyone i've served i remember every meal i've cooked and that wonderful awful scene with the do you need medical attention yeah. sir well with let's that get guy to that scene in a minute gutted him uh, yeah. let's get to that because that scene is the, like the linchpin of the movie really I there's think. so many linchpins but i think in this movie but... there's a couple like there's a couple linchpins of the plot one is of course our the bizarre scene where the fight club scene um, I don't know. I think that's mostly a linchpin to what the satire of this movie is. I think, but yeah, I would I argue a different linchpin. But I, I don't want to overuse the word linchpin. The other sort of important um, part of the plot and theme is, of course, the little monologue that the um, is it a mirror? It's a mirror. It's a mirror. A mirror gives up. about like. Yeah, like my, uh, you know, like my parents would go on date nights and they often didn't seem to go well. But there was this one where they went to your restaurant and they were so happy. And like, that's the linchpin, obviously. Yeah, that's what I was going to argue. Yeah. Yeah. So whatever about linchpin. But that's definitely the important part of the plot. Yeah. Is the. um, Is the meal. Is and, and that comes up later. And it's also it plays on the themes of like, yeah, a really, really great meal sticks with you. Mm-hmm. Forever. Yeah. Oh yeah. And um, and that time and, we went to Ovenbird all together and spent a, mm-hmm. a 
ridiculous yeah that's like the fanciest restaurant we've ever been to and one of those like five star big deal restaurants here in birmingham and it was we did have a great time we did have a great time but it was gratuitously expensive but man we ate that bone marrow stuff and it was so good did somebody get the the fat candle where you burn a candle of fat and it melts the fat into your soup yeah it was bonkers but it was delicious i remember that's before that's back when uh your daughter ren was a marshmallow and basically you know had no um, say over anything. We just took turns walking her around. And yeah, that was a good time. That, yeah. Hey, sorry. What, uh, were you? Well, gonna... no, that's good because that's like you know, like this is a real thing, and even even less fancy meals than that. Some some of those will stick with you if the good if the times are good enough. Yeah. Um, so, but I feel like then they get the reservation, and I feel like that scene for one thing, it's the most like. Again, I'm thinking we're back, back to the do you need medical attention scene. Yeah, so yeah, when he he he's like, I would like to speak to the chef. And of course, they they, they just they, we already know like the, he's kind of tracking down the pig and yeah. the, this guy who owns this restaurant. This, this is a this step on the quest. Highly pretentious restaurant. Yes. Yeah. Highly pretentious. Definitely, this movie's making fun of highly pretentious restaurants with the lady giving like a like a, a little, poem a poem about <laughs> about the, the food yeah, yeah. and 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 then and, and this the the like uh bell jar filled with smoke that yeah. she lifts up and then pff, and it looks like cone. it's just fried eggs it's i don't a know fried egg with a pine cone yeah <laughs> and that's it and he eats it with his fingers maybe you're supposed to but it felt kind of and rude he kind of rudely squishes the other one yeah. he just kind of idly pokes at it yeah. and makes it leak everywhere it's, he's clearly not impressed and and then so then he calls the chef and then, of course they'd met before mm-hmm. and uh, and dude is starstruck until well he's and he's like oh and he's like he's like you remember me I like I think he leads with do you remember me he's like he's like yes I, I do remember you ha how about that he's like you remember I fired you <laughs> after two months yeah and and uh, yeah you and, overcooked the noodles this yeah. is to your point about uh, the power of a good memory right yeah the scene yeah. And yeah, that's what it shook me how like perfectly he called back everything like you wanted to have a brew pub and you had a specific dish you wanted to make. And, and what was the dish? What was this? What was the thing with liver? Yeah, yeah, some sort of liverwurst. I don't know. With mustard sauce and, and something like that. And he, like he kind of shout. He's like, tell me what was what was your thing? He says. Then the liverwurst, you know, yeah, like, yeah, first he uttered like, those words. I don't remember. It doesn't matter, though. No, there's no Tell me the or... signature dish. And so, like, that's one of those scenes that's, like, so the, I would call, I mean, it's it's the most bracing part of the movie. It definitely, definitely the edge of your seat, theater, theatrical seat creaking stillness. Yeah. You know. I love how he, Nicolas Cage, dresses him down, and he has this big snaggle smile this guy he's the, like the trying to guy, strain to hold it together just to like sort of keep laughing and smiling Staring and it's frozen pleasant. yeah don't Stay. freak out in front of all the customers <laughs> yeah. it's such a great scene of like yeah he's dressing him down and he's having he's 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 causing a nervous you will lose breakdown. a little bit more of yourself every day none of this is real it's yeah. just so intense and it's a terrifying scene in so many ways because it's like it's calling out every single person that ever isn't living their dream yeah yeah scary yeah and like and here you are like suppose successful but i'm dressing you down anyway yeah for 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 like doing this bullshit and and not doing what you wanted 
And also, you've never been that good, and I know it. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. including including this restaurant. He's, He's like, like, but everybody can, loves it. Everybody loves this place. You can no overcook pasta and still be a good cook. I'm going to defend this guy a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't think that's what Nicolas Cage is trying to say. It's not like you can't cook. It's just that you're not that good, and you maybe should have... You, know, you should have, have had a pub, pub. yeah. Brew pub where you make pretty. Come excellent... to Birmingham. We have a billion of them, and we can... there's always room for one more. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like yeah, and he's like yeah, and it kind of goes to the sort of mob jokiness of the movies that he he has his investors to think about, and his investors include the main villain of this movie, I think, who is surprise Amir's dad. That's also, awesome. apparently, the guy who plays Amir's dad was adam in the show northern exposure which one was adam he oh was adam the, was the uh traveling doctor who lived in the wilderness who was also a gourmet chef wow oh, chef. interesting yeah. it's the same person wow. <laughs> it probably might have been a northern choice. exposure can we get more obscure no greatest show of all time <laughs> just about hey, anyway shout out to northern exposure you know where a lot of the uh alumni from northern exposure went on to work at where the sopranos wow and then sopranos is widely regarded as the beginning of the quote-unquote golden age of television Mm -hmm. yeah not that obscure yeah folks anyway um so yeah that that scene is dazzling i feel like and then we get and then we have the face off with um such as it is where he's just like yeah i took your pig Mm-hmm. Get out of my face. I'll give you money. Go away. Yeah, this is the business. Yeah, kid. why would he want to offer him money if he felt so secure? Like, yeah, get away from me, dude. Like, why does he want to why pay him off? Why don't you pay for the pig? Yeah, that was a, yeah. definitely a show of weakness. The fact that he wanted to just make him go away with money. Yeah. You know, he, he didn't actually have a position to, to kick him out of his life. He knew he had to offer him something. You know. Yeah. So, yeah, then Amir is like, oh, I didn't realize. He's, I'm sorry I told him about you. I'm sorry about the pig. You know, they have a little tiff where, where Nicolas yeah. Cage has a Nicolas Cage scene of. He kicks the car so yeah. hard. I don't think I could dent up a car like that with just my foot. By the way, best video, one of my all time favorite YouTube videos is the one entitled Nicolas Cage Losing His Shit. Oh yeah, <laughs> with some classical music and some Nicolas Cage cinematic freakouts. No. And every time I see a new Nicolas Cage movie, I'm like, oh, that could be added to the real that YouTube <laughs> video. So there's one here where he, where he kicks the car, and but then he's apologizing, and then Amir is just like, yeah. So then we get the quest, and th- this movie has chapters, which is cool. Yeah. Um, or part part one, part two. I want to say about Amir's character. Um, yeah. There's a piece of this movie where he is in the hallway of uh, some medical facility and his mother is being kept on life support. Yeah. There's that yeah. whole scene where he's just sort of talking to her Through behind the door. The door. Yeah. He doesn't want to go actually in the room. So he's just talking to the door. And that's mirrored later on when he goes to talk to his dad. He says, hey, dad, we made you dinner. And it's the same shot. It's him sort of leering, mm. stooped at the door, yeah. being like, hey, dad. That's his relationship with both of his parents. Yeah. It's very sad. It was very touching and very poignant. And um, But he opened the door and insisted we made yeah, you dinner. Yeah, that was a breakthrough for his yeah. character. It was, yeah. it was very symbolic. I loved it a lot. That yeah, was good, a, yeah, good catch there. I think that's that good cinematic language. The 
writing in this movie is just devastating. Like that scene where he's talking to his mom through the door and then he gets done and the nurse comes and says, I'm about to clean out her trach, but you can come in and talk to her if you want. And like, that's so gross and so sad and so visceral that like that. What a line to just lay right there at our feet and then change scenes. Like you're now picturing this poor woman on life support. It's also like like such a devastating scene because earlier in the movie, he kind of like, you know, bravely says, yeah, my mom killed herself. You know, it happened. And, yeah. And that's, Some people and that's just sad, sad enough. But then it's like even sadder that he was actually lying in that, no, she's not even like I wish dead. dad would just let you die. Yeah. yeah it's like, that was, that was rough. That was yeah. so wow. rough. And, um, and then we get the, uh, and then so we do the quest. And I love the scene where Nicolas Cage goes out to what turns out to be his old restaurant. Location. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that was that was the one where Eric could not calm down. He was like, "This is the most beautiful shot I've ever seen. <laughs> I've never seen a movie like this. This is so beautiful. Look at this. Is so much emotion, and you can't even see their faces." Like he was like, "Yeah, there's so much to be said for uh, having dramatic scenes not in close up." And that was like even a wonder, I think. Yeah. 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 It's a really good. Um, Oh, and that lady's name was Helen because we had the subtitles on so that showed okay. her name. So <laughs> How about that? Yeah, so yeah, she she's like, I'm a baker. So I, was, I, I kept it as a restaurant after you left, but now... He's been gone back. for 15 years, by the way. Yeah. And another... Oh, see, this movie or that scene leads to another point where you can tell that Nicolas Cage is getting to like Amir, where he picks out he got a, a, a pastry for him. a pastry and brought it out to the car and he got a second one for him and he picked one up threw it back down and got a better got one a for better him one. like that was the sweetest was sweet. he picked yeah. out a nice one for him yeah here. i mean i just because like there he is he's just selfish he wants to or he's like or they're so good he wants to and he's sort of paying her a compliment and so he gets a second one, but it was for it was for a mirror, and I, was, I just that whole <laughs> almost sequence cried. Yeah, was great. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and there's so many just heart wrenching moments of this movie, but I think that in in the car when he gave him the cookie was the closest I came to tearing up more than the meal. And then also the uh, and then also where he goes where where it's like. You know, convenient for the plot, I guess. But he's got his the Amir's quest. He needs to get the right bottle of wine from the lady who's got the wine, and also happens to be the uh, graveyard where 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 Rob Nick, Rob Robin Feld's wife is interred. Yeah. yeah. So for some reason, that lady got all his wine from his restaurant. I guess that's what it was. Which is, but yeah, and then also, um, and like, oh yeah, that's right. She's interred here, and and one one dumb thought I had watching this, I'm like, because you don't see a lot of these weird sort of publicy tombs. Mm-hmm. I've never really, yeah. But I feel like I've seen them in movies, and every time I do, I go like, well, good thing that the only people important to the plot are right at eye level. You know? Yeah, I don't know what you do with the people who are up high. But... Yeah, sure. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Yeah, that was my snark moment from yeah. watching the movie for a second time. But anyway, uh, yeah, so that's where we find out like, okay, so more of Nicolas Cage's character comes into focus. You know, part of why he disappears from being the top chef in Portland to the woods is because his wife died. We also get a little hint of that earlier in the movie with the uh, the boombox tape, the tape that he can't listen to, the tape to. that he starts to listen to, then and it's it's a woman's voice, and he goes, "Nope, not listening." It's mm-hmm. an interesting fake out because Robin could be a woman. That's yeah. true. Says for Robin. For Robin, and, and, and like early it, in the movie, you're like, "Who could yeah. do, is this a tape that he has for somebody?" Or you know, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. So then, uh, I also just like the whole like, uh, like you got rid of the curtains, and, and, and she's 
she's like, yeah, Lori doesn't want it too. And he's like, it's a good call. Yeah. Or whatever he says. Yeah. I like it. It's better. Yeah. So um, I'm just doing my Nicholas Cage voice. And yeah. Stuff. And, um, <laughs> and then we get the dinner scene. And what I love, one of the things I love about this dinner scene that really underscores a lot of the theme of this movie is, so they recreate the fancy dinner mm-hmm. that that villain had villain Amir's dad had with his yeah know, mob not, not quite foodie late mob boss Amir's dad yeah <laughs> food dealer and and uh, anyway so what I like about it is like what is the meal and what we find out with the meal is it mostly just looks like a basic really good meal yeah right? like it's chicken yeah. it's like a baked or sauteed or chicken whole whole bird like potatoes like bird, scalloped potatoes scalloped potatoes that are like and 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 some veggies and, and a baguette and really baguette in the in the in the bottle of wine and it's just like it underscores like because it's such a like it looks like a great meal that i want to eat mm-hmm. and it's also like underscores how non-pretentious it is compared to maybe some of the other stuff we've encountered in this story yeah and um I like I want to eat it and I'm slightly distressed the fact that the scene is so dramatic that they they only take a combined like eight bites between yeah, the three of them. Yeah, that's typical movie eating where they can't have it's all not even these typical takes. movie eating because the emotion causes them to not eat anymore and like no way they're going to eat more although I I hope Nicolas Cage goes like hey Mira you can just pack it up and just microwave it for a minute 11 seconds <laughs> yeah <laughs> some uh, specific amount of time yeah, yeah. it's microwavable world class yeah. Well, get a toaster oven. You get a toaster oven and it'll be good yeah. too. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, and he oh. reveals that the pig is dead and he has a big meltdown. I love that it's silent. Yeah, because I, I almost think I almost I did wonder a little bit the fact that it's silent. It works really well. But it's also like if they had not made it silent, then they might have been that you, you might have lost some advantage of having Nicolas Cage in your movie. Because yeah. Nicolas Cage's big freakouts are you know, kind of fun always. <gasps> you know, so maybe they were like, let's tone it down by just not hearing him. It works fine. Yeah. Yeah. But we find out the pig is dead because the tweakers or whatever were too rough with him. And what a harebrained scheme this was anyway. Yeah. You know, and, I mean, steal... and we meet the people that stole the pig and he doesn't like, again, that's the first subversion of the John Wick thing is he doesn't go and immediately beat the crap out of them and smash all their stuff. He just stands glowering well, the in their is, trailer. Nicholas Cage is not, you know, he's not a Robin violent person. is not here for revenge. He's here to get his pig. Yeah. <laughs> you know, all the dude wanted was his rug back. You know, yeah, all, like... all Rob wanted was his pig back. Yeah. He's not here for a revenge plot. In fact, he's even recreating a nice meal for the person who facilitated yeah, oh, there were some gems of reviews of this movie on letterbox i wish i had the name of this person but one of them said i should steal one of gordon ramsay's animals so he'll come to my house and cook me a nice meal <laughs> like, <laughs> choice perfect beautiful like this is why i'm on letterbox for reviews like yeah. that but um anyway yeah. yeah so i mean the thing the main thing i want to mention is <clears throat> You know, they go back to that diner that's near where Robin Feld lives. and um, Or a few miles. It's the first thing miles. out of the woods. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, they have this conversation, Amir and Robin. And um, he's talking about, like, if, if I had not gone on this quest, the pig would have been alive. And, or yeah. she, he said she would have been alive 
in my I mind. I would have, yeah. And and um, and Amir says she wouldn't have been though. And they're kind of just talking about well, Amir's mother and his dead wife. And that's oh, a sort yeah. of an understanding between them. And that's what they have a lot in common. And I think that's why yeah. they really get along is they have that same sort of trauma I and grief in common. Both and they, of them. they have empathy for each other and they discover that about each other and their empathy. It's mutual. It goes both yeah, ways. Yeah. And they're, they're, you know, I think Robin looks back up after Amir says that and, and he knows that, like, we're not talking about the pig anymore. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's an understanding they had. It was, it's, it's just a great movie. It's good emotional yeah. storytelling and dressed up in this ridiculous plot. Was See You Thursday the last line in the movie? I think so. Because if so, well, that is other than... right up there with, I guess it was Utah. It, maybe, maybe it was, it was Utah. Utah. Although, of course, like the, the real last thing is, 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 uh, the singing. Well, the singing in, in her voice, where he yeah. finally plays, he has the courage to, play the tape yeah and it's her voice and then she sings a song the, the sings Bruce, for his birthday yeah the yeah. bruce springsteen song yeah. Yeah. yeah and um yeah a, a character detail i love a movie with a lot of weird character details but amir has that classical music instructional yeah tape that he plays in his car constantly <laughs> like, i thought it was just npr because there no, it was a cd it's a okay. cd that wow. he like i think is teaching him about being sophisticated and Aww. it's just a weird goal to have I, I i think it so works so badly to be all the things that a classy person is yeah yeah i think it works really well from a character intro sense too because you're kind of ready for the big city guy to be a douche yeah he's in and he is present, you he, expect he him to be listening to butt rock yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. Or, or you know some type of some type of generic hip-hop whatever you know yeah. cool, cool. slayer or something. slayer yeah like you know he's all set up to be but that's immediately a quirky detail about him is that no he's got high not only classical music but like narrate you know some sort of narrated voice <laughs> about why harmony Melody and rhythm. <laughs> yeah. It was beautiful two hundred years ago, two hundred years from now it will still be beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess in the in that sort of vibe is what is being made fun of in the uh fancy restaurant scene, uh where that guy gets dressed down, uh yeah. Dexter or whatever. Derek or whatever his name yeah. is. Yeah. And you know, it's just uh the pomp. It's making fun of the pomp. Yeah. Which I think that it, setting it in Portland has got to be a sort of a direct criticism of Portland. Of yeah. being sort of intellectual and interesting. It's kind of like Portlandia. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I almost think the movie's relying on the fact that, that like we know a little bit about Portland culturally now thanks to the show Portlandia. Yeah. Um, maybe. I don't know. Um, I was more ready to laugh at Portland and how weird and pretentious it is because I've seen so many episodes of Portlandia. Yeah. And at the same time, there's people from Portland who are like, it's not that weird. It's a normal freaking place. And I think <laughs> this movie speaks to that too. Like, but I mean, I did have an Uber ride in Portland. Oh, yeah. And we asked like, so what do you think of the show Portlandia? She said, documentary <laughs> goddamn documentary <laughs> this lady had like purple hair too yeah like a nice fade wow um, anyway true story you can tell she's got the hair she must know what she's talking about <laughs> yeah uh yeah so but yeah to tie this movie back to the current context i somehow i haven't watched a whole lot of things 
since 2020. I've been working all through the pandemic. So like these huge, massive binges that everyone else has done, I've kind of missed out on. But something I uh, did make a point to watch that was a phenomenon in 2020 or maybe the beginning of this year was WandaVision, which okay. also happens to be about grief and dealing with grief. And so it was strange for me to be like these two keystone things that people that are buzzing and that I've personally really responded to WandaVision and Pig are both centrally about grief. And I wonder if that's kind of a pandemic thing. It's on a lot of people's mind. We've lost a lot of people and a post 9-11 thing where like loss, we've been forced to look at it, especially millennials. Yeah. I mean, and like post World War II, like. Greatest Generation had to deal with a lot of that. And I wonder if it's going to... Grappling with that is going to keep coming up in all kinds of different art and pop culture. Um, and maybe that's just because I've had a weird experience where like things that I... That really hit me hard just happened to be two things about grief. This, I don't know. Yeah, the, and this this wound up being so much more poignant about loss than contagion was yes even <laughs> contagion kind of tried that's not what contagion is about no it's not but it so tries many, to touch on it with it, matt damon with although, matt damon and yeah. missing his wife and yeah. all the memorials to different people that died and yeah but it was just kind of very arm's length where yeah this and i would argue wandavision are very much like let's swim around in how the human psyche deals with this kind of thing yeah yeah. Um. Yeah. Um, also, I was trying to like I've not been able to answer who this Michael Sar Sarnisky guy, who's the writer director. This is his debut film. Yeah, he's gonna be a big deal, man. Or like, <laughs> or he'll he get some nice deal with some big sci-fi flick, and it'll be terrible. And... So one thing is like, <laughs> a lot of times the Wikipedia and um, IMDb for very new movies suck. Yeah. You know, you don't find out a lot. You, you know, for big Hollywood movies, they have a gigantic trivia section mm -hmm. that is looks like it was written by whoever was the marketing director. Yeah. And it's just like, whatever. These are, and you know, the most interesting thing I learned was about Nicolas Cage getting bit by the pig. But yeah. I would really like to know if this director, like, did he work in restaurants beforehand? Yeah. I don't know. I wonder because lots of struggling artists do. A lot of people do. So it's like, I think that's maybe part of this movie's what's in buried in here is is this movie maybe is making fun of people they encounter in their life who, yeah. who run these who employed them and yeah you know? i feel like this has been kind of a running thing with this podcast where we will hit a movie that is an early effort by a successful director that is extremely confident and yeah. extremely like all cylinders interesting and here, yeah, because like the kid was Charlin's for Charlie Chaplin's first feature. Citizen Kane was um, Orson Welles' first feature, and wasn't it? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and then um, Shaolin Soccer, very different. But Stephen Chow's first, or maybe I don't I think, think it, was, I don't think that was his first. It was feature. his first big breakout thing that put him on the map. Okay, and. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I just and here's this, and we don't know what kind of a career this is, guy is gonna have. But here we have suddenly managed to hit all these artours um, that are extremely confidently trying something new. Yeah. And I hope he does more like this. Yeah. Yeah. You know. 
Yeah. Or, or if he if he didn't want to, you know, he could do something else. I just feel like he's gonna be a hot new director who gets given like some franchise or something, and then it's gonna be terrible. Yeah, he's who gonna knows? direct That's Harry Potter. That's kind of how things go. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like Chloe Zhao getting a Marvel movie. Yeah, Chloe Zhao getting a Marvel movie. Yeah, yeah. But wasn't that good? I haven't seen it. I have no idea. It's oh. probably fine. But yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm over Marvel. Not not as a super anti thing, as so much as a. Yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm not really eager to spend money on going yeah. to this. But anyway, what I'm so lost with Marvel. It's been years since I've seen one. I have yeah. no idea what's going on. Yeah, <laughs> it's like as the episode, it's like TV. Like if you miss a couple episodes, then you're, you don't yeah. know which characters are alive anymore. It's like coming in the middle of Game of Thrones. Like, wait, who died? They have like 20 new superheroes now. Yeah. And I don't know about any of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Well, good movie. We recommend strongly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I agree with Eric. The best scene was the scene in the bakery. It was a good scene. He, yeah. I like it because I really like bread. Yeah. <laughs> Bread's an important part of that scene, just aesthetically. It makes yeah. Me, you know, I want a baguette. I would like. Yeah, I could smell that scene. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But that's mostly because I like bread. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah. So, anyway. Um, we doing the, the next segment of our podcast? Are we wrapped up with this movie? I feel like I said all the things I, I th- yeah, I, to I, say. I, I, we, we've spoken for less time than normal, but I think we all just liked it, and we had things to say, and we said it. Yeah. You know, we weren't really... We're about, re- we're about we're really, Yeah, uh, I mean, I guess one more... Like, back to my theme from last time about digital or not... Um, or film i had like you said it sucks to find trivia about brand new movies because there's not a lot of information i had to kind of fish around to really confirm that this was digital i'm like really they couldn't have afforded film for this right and it is digital but it looks beautiful yeah well, like the technology like we're talking yeah 10 years yeah from... like here we are in 2021 yeah the digital cameras are great now so we we've Okay, did you have another point? No, 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 okay. that was all I had. We've watched a century's worth of movies. Mm-hmm. And it would be kind of dumb to be how to, say, to ask how are they different. But how are they similar? Ooh. Yeah. How is this similar to The Kid, for example? We've, uh, we've definitely... The Kid's also about grief, kind of. Yeah. It is. I mean, we definitely have undercut And it's ourselves. a quest movie. <laughs> it's a quest movie, yeah. I mean... So the bit. fact that we've been so eclectic means that... <laughs> That's almost like a how, um, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I, I know. know but, to answer that. Yeah, I mean, but we shoot. We we've got to talk about the sheer amount of years we've just sat and watched through. We that, that's it's the name of our podcast. Yeah, yeah. Well, I do maybe wonder. That's, we should maybe we should have prepared. <laughs> I would say I do wonder. I mean, we will discuss what kind of itinerary our next batch of movies will be for season two. I do wonder if we maybe want to follow a few more intentional thematic threads through cinema history next time around. I kind of around. like jumping genres I mean, and jumping nation- nationalities because it's like there's the world is a big living, breathing, swirling thing, and you know, globalism is a key part of history as well. And um, genres don't really mean anything at the end of the day; they're just different ways of exploring human emotion 
Um, that ping was uh, was my phone, not yours, dear listener. Yeah, um, and it wasn't it wasn't my phone this time. Yeah. Huh. Every, every time, every time there's a, I'm listening to a podcast where someone's phone goes off, I always look at mine. Like, <laughs> I don't have my phone set to that sound. Well, um, but the enlightened one here. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but yeah. but uh, yeah, I mean, shoot, I. I like 2021 movies. I, I like it's a good vibe. It's I actually a, saw a decent amount of movies this year. Like I, I feel like at some point I'm going to make my top ten movies of right. 2021. Which how many years have you done that? I've I basically looked... been doing it since 2008. Okay, because I looked for your 2011 list and I didn't find it. Or maybe it no, out... I did, and it Moneyball was on it, and that's why I suggested watching yeah. Moneyball. So I, um, the thing is. I don't know exactly, but it's very possible that this movie that we watched today is only in the top five. Mm. If not, I'm, I'm, I'm quite certain that this movie Pig will be in my top ten. But I feel like I saw some pretty good movies this year that I'm not sure what is number one. I don't know if I have a slam dunk obvious number one. There's really only a few years where I do feel like I have one. and But I feel like this is probably top five. We'll yeah, see. I think that the pandemic was actually really good for creativity and for art in general, maybe not for making money off of it, but I think a lot of people were stir crazy and a lot of people had more time on their hands than they expected to have. And I think the music this year has been really, really good. The new releases. I think that the movies have been interesting. The TV shows have been cool. Like, I think that this has been, I think, I mean, the, pandemic was bad i'm not trying to say there was anything good about it yeah. but i'm saying that i think that it boosted some people to push themselves to be more creative art is alive and well yeah, yeah. i think absolutely well, yes it's, it's like we'll always sort of like you know we'll relay things to based on like how did movies change after 9 11 when we'll, we'll talk about we'll pick out something regardless of how much it had to do with 9 11 yeah so poor movies from basically now until maybe about 20 like let's like okay let's say let's go to 9-11 like i feel like the 9-11 the post 9-11 aesthetic you could put on basically a lot of movies from like 2001 till about 06 i feel like around 06 you're starting to go like ooh, it's gotten the 9-11 aesthetic and he's like does it though you know, yeah. I, you know, and and I feel like movie poor movies made in the twenties are going to be slapped with that. Like this yeah, is, they're, they're post COVID movies. Post COVID movies, and it's like, or maybe it's just a movie that is yeah. its own voice of the filmmakers. Yeah, you know? but fair or not, that will be done to movies from this decade. Maybe yeah. grief has always been in movies. Maybe yeah, it's maybe a, so. It's really not special to the time. It's, just, it's just something, are, it's one of the things that maybe the best way to grapple with it is to make art about it. Yeah, and there's just always going to be good art about it. Yeah, people I, I are mean, sad and people are going to make a movie about it. And I, Of I, course, I, my honest opinion is that like the defining thing about that post-COVID, um, uh, the COVID era is not grief. It's loneliness. It's loneliness and... and paranoia and neuroticism yeah <laughs> that, that's that and, and mistrust robin yeah. feld in this movie is definitely isolated but it's self-imposed and i'm not sure he's neurotic or paranoid necessarily no. why wasn't his cabin full of raccoons when he got back the door was open the whole time <laughs> everything was asking the important <laughs> questions <laughs> um that, that was just yeah <laughs> 
Those dang, those dang trash pandas. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Again, if it had been set in Alabama, those beautiful little cans of, of food, jars of food that preserves that he had up there on his shelf would have been knocked over, spilled, strawn around. There'd be wasps all making nests in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would be. You can't leave anything with the door wide open for any amount of Nature time. Nature will take over. It will, yeah, there'd be kudzu on the walls by the time we came back. Like It's just, nature is voracious in the yeah. South. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Shoot. Okay. So that was 2021. Yeah. What a great movie. Good movie. Yeah. Good journey. Good journey. Interesting. We've had our own quest. Yeah. yeah. We've made a whole season of podcast episodes. Go us. Yeah. What an accomplishment. Yeah, if nothing else, we did do that. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you think our podcast sucks. We did one. Yeah, yeah, we got together and we set so aside there. time and we watched movies and we sat in front of microphones and I feel awesome about it. Um, yeah. Somebody, you know, I hope I, we inspire somebody. He's <laughs> like, well, these losers can do it. Yeah. And we have done it. <laughs> we losers. So. Yeah. So who's the real loser now? <laughs> <laughs> so what else have we been consuming? Because we yeah. literally, okay, we inside baseball, we recorded Contagion last night. Yeah. <laughs> so we haven't really been consuming anything since. What do you guys want to talk about? I'll just do real quick, like, I'll just say, because I, I think maybe one way we should do this anyway is maybe just stick to one or two things. Yeah. Um, I've been watching Ted Lasso because we've got a Apple TV trial. Free trial, yeah. And Ted Lasso... It's one of those very kind of zeitgeisty, people popular right now shows, and I'm watching it, and it is very, very charming, and and, and plus it's thirty minute episodes, so yeah, you know, you know, I dare you to resist a very charming, likable, and and a fun thirty minute show. Yeah, I do recommend. Also, I started listening to a podcast basically today that Connor Ratliff recommended on Dead Eyes. You know, which one? It's called The Rumor. Oh, yeah. I don't think I... think I... he was paid to uh, <laughs> recommend that one, but well, it does sound good. Well, it got good. me because the rumor is... Okay, so it's it's about um, a, a, a 90s, in the late 90s, Cal Ripken Jr. Of, of the Baltimore Orioles has the consecutive games played streak going. He set the record for most consecutive games played. And then one night before a game, the power kind of went off in the stadium and they delayed the game. And um, so that happened. And then... A rumor started that the Orioles caused there to be a power outage on purpose to because Cal Ripken was unable to play that night. So they shut the stadium down the to, stadium. to keep the streak alive. And because rumor has it, um, he, on his way to the game, he went back into his home because he forgot something and found his wife in bed with another man. And got in a fight with said man. Juicy. Because, because rumor has it, it was Kevin Costner. Wow. <laughs> so lunatic rumors. So it's like, it's a, it's like. Yeah, right. that's some wild true crime. That's a true crime podcast. It better be something loony like that for me to want to listen to it at this point. You know, and like silly weird stuff like this. Because so far from what I'm finding, it was mostly just a highly specific Baltimore thing that people were like, oh yeah, you heard the rumor? Yeah. And like, and it was a talk radio thing. And I'm like, yeah, I guess these nini 
pop culture moments, highly specific regional pop culture moments. The only way they survive is in the podcast form. Yeah. We should do one, guys. <laughs> we should have like a Oh, some, there's some juicy Birmingham gossip we could we get should, into. You know, like where is the Larry Langford podcast? <laughs> I don't think we should do the Larry Langford No. Podcast. But, you know, there are some. That. Anyway, that's all I got. Yeah, the restaurant industry in Birmingham, it's jumping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, what am I consuming? I'm also watching a 30-minute show with Eric, a less zeitgeisty one, in typical me form. After something is canceled and or out of style, I become obsessed with it. I've been watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Fun it's, show. Yeah, I, I love Andy Samberg. And it's, again, just, yeah, charming popcorn 30 minute i'm probably gonna laugh i'm probably gonna smile just a good little thing to just sit and watch on nights when ren goes to bed early which is rare um <laughs> so hard to keep it and when i don't want to watch a whole movie because i need to go to bed and then i accidentally watch five episodes and that's the length of a whole movie anyway but oh well um and I also made a point to listen to the Cinevern podcast, which oh, is good. the one that um, friend of the show, Anthony Renteria hosts. And he, I don't know, maybe will be a guest next year, maybe. And so oh, I good just, job. I've only really listened to it. Yeah, I made shows. a point to listen to an episode of that, I and it was good. That. And I was like, wow, this is these are our peers. Like, this is our, if we want to be part of the film podcast community, like small indie film podcasts, especially local ones, are the ones we should be friends with. And it was good, and I enjoyed it, and I subscribed to it. And you should do the same. Subscribe. Good yes, job Cinebrum. something, Helen. Yeah. John? Um... I had a LaCroix this morning. <laughs> That's, yes. I had a, hot, a dog. hot dog. You deserve it was some a good chili food. chili dog. Oh, where yeah. was the chili dog? It's from like way back, because I had a DoorDash tier. Because I, I got up. What are you DoorDashing a damn hot dog for? <laughs> because I got up and I had to watch the movie immediately. <laughs> You're going to DoorDash for this podcast. So I got out of bed, ordered DoorDash, started the movie, and then you guys got here. That's how short my day has been. There's only one LaCroix that I haven't mentioned in that schedule. So that's what I've done. That's what I've consumed. One LaCroix, a little bit of water. I have some eggnog I'm excited about. That's what I'm planning on consuming once we're done recording. I've been trying oh, to get Ren into eggnog season. Eggnog season. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, it's cool. We had, it was basically a calendar year ago that I proposed the podcast. Yeah, I and think at Thanksgiving, yeah, right? Thanksgiving. And here we did it. Yeah. We did it. Huh. Yeah. Good job, us. Good. <laughs> All right. Is that it? Yes. Roll the dang music. Yeah. So uh, after this episode airs, we managed to air them in a clump, even though we did not record them in a clump. So there will be a delay after this final, after y'all who are actually listening, listen to this episode. Yeah, I would suggest actually this maybe we should do off mic, but maybe we'll be back February 1st. See you then. We're rolling the dang music. Yeah. yeah. See y'all when we when when y'all hear us. Bye, bye, bye. Bye, bye, bye.